Happy birthday, 11 o'clock. Let's go. Come on. I tell you what, I was telling someone, we used to have a friend, or we still have a friend. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we used to have a lot of friends. <laughs> it's been five awesome years. Um, but we have a friend that anytime, it, it was his birthday, and anytime we'd tell him happy birthday, he'd be like, happy birthday. He's just really awkward. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And I was like, it's really funny. So now it's all your birthdays. So happy birthday. Yeah. All right. We are so excited that we're celebrating five, but we're also, I can't even spit it out. I'm so excited. We're so excited that we're not just five, but we're still alive. Come on. We just, we just went through a pandemic. COVID couldn't stop us. Meeting online for 15 months couldn't stop us because it's not about us, because it's about Jesus. He is still alive. He hung on a cross, bloody, looking like he was dead. And three days later, he came back because he is still alive to this very day. And it's all for him. He's the one that keeps us alive. And we're so excited that we're not just five and alive, but we're ready to thrive, right? I told, my pa- I told, I told the first service, you can tell I've been hanging out with my pastor because everything's starting to rhyme. He likes to do that. And we're just so happy that you're here. If you're, if you're here for the first time, welcome to the refuge and happy birthday. We've been waiting for you. Um, when you move across country to start a church with a dream in your heart, you have no idea what it's going to look like. No idea. And today, as I look out and I see this beautiful faces, this wonderful worship, this extraordinary building that God has put us in, I just think, man, I could have never dreamt of this. And it reminds me of Ephesians 3.20, that he is able to do infinitely more than we could ask, think, or imagine. We We could have never dreamt this. But you know what's amazing about that? It doesn't stop here. There are still more things to come that we don't even know what it's going to look like. But when we experience it, you better hold on to your hat. Because we're going to blow the roof off. We exist to show people that when they make Jesus their refuge, they never have to be overwhelmed by the storms of life. Have there been storms over the last five years? Absolutely. Did we get through them? You better believe it. Because Jesus is our refuge. He's the one that we do this for. And I'm so excited for today because we would not be here today without the man that I'm about to introduce to some of you for the first time. He's been here before. 
and he's not just been here before, but he's been a part of our journey. I told the first service when I first met Pastor Derek, I walked into his office on a Sunday morning when Tanya and I were visiting. And he looked at me and he said, I hear you're starting a church. And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, who's your pastor? I looked at him. I go, well, my, my dad's my pastor. He said, well, that's, that's great. My dad was my pastor, too. You need a pastor. Every pastor needs a pastor. So I looked at him and go, uh, will you be my pastor? And like any great pastor would say, he said, let me pray about it. <laughs> and he prayed about it for a long time, he said. <laughs> and today he's our pastor. And because he's our pastor, like there's nothing greater than to show you and to introduce you to the voices that I'm listening to. You know, I'm listening to, to voices in my life that are helping us be better. I, 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 I'm sitting here watching Pastor Derek take notes so that he can, he can tell us, all right, this is what you did great, because I've, I've, I've been with him for six years, so I know he's going to tell us what we've, been, what we've done great, but he's going to tell us what we can do better. And I'm so thrilled about our future today. And I can't wait for you to hear what Pastor Derek has to say. So do me a favor. Would you stand to your feet? Give the pastor of Connect Church in Ashland, Massachusetts a warm welcome. I love you. Come on, give Jesus a bigger hand before you sit down. Like way bigger, like way more. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you, Refuge Church. Congratulations on your birthday. I'm truly um, honored to be here, super excited uh, for you. I've been along the journey uh, with the Refuge Church from inception, you know, kind of while they were pregnant, you know, uh, in a sense, you know, when you, when. So, I mean, how many with kids? Raise, raise your hand if you got kids. Okay, God bless you, Lord Jesus. Help them. Uh, I know, I know, I know. I have grandkids now, so don't kill your kids. It's all worth it. Uh, my grandkids are the greatest. And it's, it's everything everybody said it was going to be. My wife and I, we build our schedules around our grandkids. I was traveling all last week, Monday to Thursday. And as I'm coming back, I'm like, please tell me Zion and Ezra are going to be at our house when I get there. And then um, I opened the door. Stacy was picking us up. And, and there's my grandson, Zion. He goes, hey, Poppy, surprise. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is the best. Um, I digress. What, what, what am I here for? Bring it back. Bring it back. Here, I start talking. Yeah, happy birthday. Don't kill your kids. Grandkids are the greatest. And when you're pregnant. So when you're pregnant, you can also be pregnant with vision, you know. When, you have a ba- when you're having a kid, uh, when my wife and I were having a kid, we'd say we are pregnant, right? How many know that I didn't know pregnant like she know pregnant, right? <laughs> All the women say amen. Yeah. But when, when you're pregnant with vision, you both, know, you both know pregnant at the same level, you know? And so it, it affects both husband and wife. And I'm so grateful for the visionaries of the Refuge Church. And I just want to honor your pastors and, and, and my, my, kind of my spiritual kids in a sense. Will you guys give it up for Adam and Tanya and just <laughs> blessed, blessed, blessed. Love them both. I have equal affection for both of them. I, 
I talk to Adam more than Tanya, but I talk to Tanya a good, good amount. Tanya calls me now and then, and um, I just love them both. Your pastor has, you know, he's a tender warrior, you know. He's, he's got grit. He's a fighter, you know, he's a, but he's a lover, right? He's a lover, and, um, and he, he, you know, it's just, it, it, I just love how he can be comfortable in that, um, you know, in that capacity um, and, and just kind of show his heart. His biggest muscle is his heart. And, um, and Tani's just a rock star, you know, uh, when I first met them both, I wasn't sure about Adam, but I was very sure about Tanya. <laughs> I was very sure about Tanya. <laughs> I was like, ah, like, uh, okay. But Adam's, Adam's won me over and, and, uh, and, and he, and he married up big. And of course I love Graham and, uh, and Anna, wherever they are, they're somewhere in here. I don't know if they're doing the, is that Graham back there? I can't see. Anyway. I uh, love them dearly, and you know, the kids often get overlooked in ministry, and I think it's really important to pray for pastor's kids because there's, a, uh, there's just really a, a special call on them, but there's also a special uh, and unfortunate weight. There's Graham. Graham, get in here. I'm talking about you, son. Just kidding. Uh, here I am praising you, and you're not even in the room. Uh, and so I can, but anyway, there's, there's just a weight, and so just pray uh, for them as they grow to be able to carry the weight of the call of God in their life. Amen. Um, so anyway, I'm going to get into today's word. I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you guys are like note takers and, and Bible thumpers. Um, the type, the, the, the title of my, by the way, I want to introduce you to my friend, uh, Mr. Potato Head. Okay, so some of you guys are like, what in the heck is this, this thing doing here? I'll, I'll bring him into the mix in just a little bit. Uh, that is not a mistake. I asked the keyboardist to leave when I got up here because it seemed irreverent to, to, to have worship music behind me where Mr. Potato Head was here. Uh, but uh, there's a reason for that in a little bit. But I want to talk to you about the subject today is one body. Everybody say one body. Everybody say, I'd like a new body. No, just kidding. Don't say that. Um, but we're going to talk about one body. And I'm not talking about your individual body. I'm talking about the body of Christ. The body of Christ. And kind of the motto that I'll unpack is that, you know, it's really, it's really something that needs a little more dialogue. But God wants you to be a part of the body, be a part, so that you don't come apart. Uh, if I want to make it King James, be a part, lest you come apart. When do you ever say, lest you? Like, never, right? It's like, hithersoever, whithersoever thou goest, therefore. My daddy used to say, therefore, and then he'd say, whenever you see a therefore, you got to see what it's there for. That's just for free. All right. So today's message is one body. Now, I want to talk about being one, too, as a church, because what happens sometimes you guys grow. This is the second service. It's amazing. I remember when um, I, I coach pastors a lot, and, and when they get ready to think about a second service, which is a, which is a blessing to be able to consider that. A lot of times they get nervous. But what can happen in a church culture is you can go from one service to two services, and instead of having two services, before you know it, you have two churches. Right. Well, it's quiet in this Catholic church. Okay, so what happens, is this Catholic church? I wasn't sure. I thought I, why are we like mine? No, anyway. Um, so you don't have to be quiet here. I need you guys to talk back a little bit. need a little bit of feedback. You can say amen, thank you, praise the Lord, preach it, white boy, whatever you want to do. I need some feedback. Um, I'll preach better if you talk to me, okay? Amen? All right, there we go. So um, what happens is two services can feel like division instead of multiplication. Okay, it can feel like I'm losing something, you know, for me instead of it's something that God is doing to expand the mission. So it's always mission over me in the kingdom of God. It's not me over mission. 
And so this is multiplication. So how do we, as we expand to two services, be, still stay one, one church, united? Right? We're, we're launching a campus today. Right now, as I stand here today, we are finishing our, our, our service in a new location, and uh, we are a multi-site church. My son's leading it. It's very, very exciting. Uh, for us, but but there was this there's 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 this attitude that sometimes creeps into the church that we're div- we're dividing we're separating I'm losing my friends and I just want you to as you grow as a church and I'm sort of exhorting you and prophesying over you you have to put mission over me, amen. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say mission over me. <laughs> Turn to your second choice and say it okay and tell them you're my second choice. Sorry. All right. So how many know in, in, a, in our, our country was originally designed to be the United States of America, but it's in some respects become the divided states of America. Like we have racial division, we have political division, we have, you know, um, we have division in our homes, we have, we have redefinitions that are affecting the home life. We, we, we see this in all aspects of humanity, and now this, this division is creeping into the church. And that's what we have to be very, very careful about. And I I, want to address something to you, but I actually want to take a moment and pray. I I wish I did this in the first service. But what can happen sometimes, it's really important second service that you check check in, that you tune in. Because, you know, as early as the book of Genesis, you know how there's two trees in the story in Genesis? The first story is creation. The second story is two trees. One tree represents reason. The other tree represents revelation. God, why is it there? Because God never wanted you to live by reason. He wanted you to live by revelation. He wants you to receive something that bypasses this, and it gets right into your heart and into your spirit, and it doesn't inform you, it transforms you. So will you just close your eyes? I want to pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room, this second service, Lord, this is going to be the best service of the day. They're going to be able to go away and tell everybody, no, our service was better than your service. But more, more importantly, Lord, I pray that whatever happens, you use, use my personality, use these words, use your word. More importantly, not to just inform them, oh, I didn't know that. No, God, I receive that. I receive revelation about the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. So Jesus prayed not only for his disciples, but he prayed for you. In John chapter 17, which is known as the high priestly prayer, Jesus was praying to his father. And as he's dialoguing with his father, he's praying for his disciples. We can see that in John 17. But I don't know if you realize he was also praying for those that would come after him that are also followers of him and that are disciples. He was praying for you and he was praying uh, for me. And when he prayed, I'm going to highlight some things from different verses so you don't have to look it up. For the sake of time. But in John 17, 11, he said, God speaking, Jesus speaking to his father, God, I want them to be one like you and I are one. In verse 21, that they all may be one. Uh, he ends the chapter and he says that they may be one just as we are one. In verse 23, I and them, you and me, that we may be in perfect unity. Jesus could rhyme. He could bust rhymes. I love that. So he prays again for us. He prays for us to be united. He prays for us to be one. That one unity kind of wording is really interchangeable in the scriptures here. But there's something significant that happens 
later that I'll unpack for you that I think we don't see when we come to know the Lord, when we come in relationship with him. But first, I kind of want to define oneness or unity for you. And earlier in the chapter, Jesus, I think, gives us a verse that really could be a definition verse for unity. In John 17, 4, it says this, Jesus speaking, and this will come up on the screen, I have glorified you. He's talking to God. Down here. I know I was up there, but now I'm down here. And I did a good job glorifying you on earth by completing, what's it say? Two words. The work. Everybody say it again. The work. Okay. I completed the work that you gave me to do. So again, he was mission over me. You see it right there in the word, right? And so the work, interchangeable word, you could just put right in place of the work is purpose. I completed the purpose for which you sent me. I was living here on purpose. Uh, And so unity is connected, inextricably linked to purpose. Unity has everything to do with purpose. The reason a lot of times we don't see unity in our society today is because we've lost our loving minds, but we've lost our purpose. We don't know why we're here. And most of what we're living for is me, 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 right? It's all, it's all I, me, myself, and I. It's, it's very uh, self-centered. And so if you take this verse and you try to extrapolate, I love that word. If you try to extrapolate a definition from it, unity is this. Unity is not sameness of person. Unity is not trying to get Adam to be like me or me to be like Adam. Um, it, unity is not trying to get you to talk like me, walk like me, think like me. I, 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 I tried to do that in marriage. I'm 30 years married now, everybody. But the fir- it's been 20 wonderful years. Praise the Lord. <laughs> do the math, carry the one. We had some problems in the early phases, the first third. And in that first third of our marriage, while we were, we were work, you know, in, in relationship with each other, I thought unity was, Stacy, be like me. Lord knows we don't need any more of me in the world. He knew that. But I kept thinking, you know, life will be happier if you like the things I like, Stacy. Life will be happier if you think like me, you behave like me. You know, you, 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 you make sandwiches like me. You know, you make the bed like I do. You clean your, clean your car like I do. I'm still trying to get her to clean the car like I do, so I haven't given that one up yet. I'm a little bit anal. But... But that's not what unity is. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not, we got to be the same. Unity is not union. You could tie two cattails together, throw them over a clothesline. They might have union, but that's not unity. Okay? Unity is not sameness of person. It's sameness of purpose. And if we do not have a common purpose, we will inevitably, eventually, have conflict. We'll have disunity. We will have division. We will have, uh, you know, all kinds of, of issues and schisms and fractures and, and breakdowns uh, relationally. And we'll see that on a local level and on a global level. It happens all the time. And so one of the reasons for conflict, in addition to this understanding of the definition, is, is because, and why we fall apart, is because we simply don't know our part. Uh, we, 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 uh, because we aren't a part and we don't know our part. The reason that we break down is because in the body, 
We don't know our part, and so as a result, we come apart. That's what we're going to unpack. Are you guys with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm tracking with him. I'm tracking with him, okay? All right, quick story, quick story. Uh, I'm always racing the clock. Uh, I'm Pentecostal. We, we don't believe in clocks. Uh, but I sold my house this last year, kind of riding the market, and it was, a, it, was a, it was an act of Congress to try to get my wife to see that we should move and we should make money now. You know, we've been in this house for 18 years. All the kids have grown and gone on. I've got kids from 29 to 23. And uh, did I say I had three grandkids? Yeah, I did. I said that. I talked about my grandkids. I'll talk about them again. Who cares? Because uh, they're awesome. But we, we moved out, and we were empty nests, you know? And the whole first floor of our house wasn't being used. And I'm looking at this thing, and as a finance person, I'm like, this is poor stewardship. we got to get out of here. Let's ride the mark. So we sold our house. My wife miraculously agreed to do that. We move into this... Uh, we, we get a townhouse. We rent the townhouse, put some money away, wait for the market to come back around. We'll see what we do. While we're in this little community, I'm like, well, I still want to enjoy myself. So we got in this little bougie community. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know what bougie is. Okay. If, you, if somebody in your row knows what bougie or is bougie, you just got to look a little bit, little bit longer. Okay. So I'm a little bit bougie. Okay. I like all the frills. I like like... I like all the little extras and stuff like that. So there's a gym. There's a clubhouse. I can throw a rock to my favorite breakfast place. There's a restaurant right over there. There's a pool. And everything's new. And this is crazy. We can put our trash at the bottom of our – outside our door, and they just come pick up our trash. They shovel my driveway. Okay, so this is bougie. Everybody tracking with me? Pray for me. Don't you feel bad for me? It's just awful. It's, tor- it's terrible. So this is just temporary, but we're lo- I'm loving it, right? My wife's like, whatever. I'm like, this is the best, you know. I, lo- I just love walking, watching them walk away with my trash. You know what I mean? It's just like, uh, I worship. Anyway, where the heck was I? Okay, so I go to this little gym in my community, and there's this guy there. He's, he's of Latin descent, and he's got a really, really thick ass. Pastor, it's so good to see you, you know. And, and I want to tell you uh, about my testimony. And I'm like, Go ahead, tell me. He's like, I got a, I got a saved at a church around the corner, and then I got a baptized. It's really strong. I got a baptized, and uh, and so he's talking about his salvation experience, and he's telling me about, you know, when he got baptized, baptized, and he goes, but pastor, I don't understand because many years have gone by, and now after I was baptized, back then I felt God. I was growing. I knew my purpose, but then all this time goes by. And now I don't feel God. I don't feel, I don't feel I know my purpose. I don't feel like I'm a growing like I was when I was baptized. And so this guy, this, this experience, I don't think it's just exclusive to him. I think there are many people that have had certain high points. For example, I think when you commit your life to Jesus, we don't understand that there's two things happening there. You're not just getting this worked out. There's something here that God wants to work out here as well. There is a vertical and horizontal correlation and connection. Your heart is changed in a moment when you give your life to Jesus. That's a fact. Your life is changed on a journey while you're here. And he wants you to do that journey with other people. Are you tracking with me? And so that's what we're going to, yeah, amen. You can give the Lord a big hand clap for that. Praise the Lord. So this story is not just his story. I think it's a lot of people's story because I hear so many people, and if they're honest and if they, they took an inventory of their spiritual life, they'd say, you know what? Since that time when I was baptized or since that moment when you connected with God, when you felt God, when you felt like don't, infants, fastest gro- the fastest growth rate is, inf- is the infant phase. 
You know, like zero to like whatever, 12 months. They grow like crazy. And that's very common that Christians are the same way. They grow really quick in the beginning, and then they dip. And this is why. What I'm talking about is why. Are you with me, everybody? So, now, what happens is the church doesn't seem like it's the solution because people look at the church and they see the church is jacked up. And guess what? It is. It's been hijacked and jacked up. It's been hijacked by the enemy that takes out leaders and pastors left and right. Smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Listen, you shore up the shepherd and the sheep will continue to gather. It's the opposite. So that's why I help pastors. That's why I try to get, and I got pastors that help me, just so you know. Right? A lot of times people are like, you ever see this, the old Superman movie? I'm dating myself, so this is really bad. But the old Superman movie where Lois falls off the Empire State Building and then Superman swoops up and he goes, I got you, I got you. And then she says, yeah, but who's got you? Right? So there's no Superman in the kingdom of God. Everybody needs somebody, okay? So he's got a pastor and I got a pastor. I want you guys to know that. That's how we stay healthy. But back to the church. So people are looking at the church that's been hijacked or jacked up by different things, and they're thinking it's, 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 it's such a bad message. For example, denominations. That word, right? Have we heard that word? If you heard that word, raise your hand. Denominations. It's a messed up word. I don't even know if you know the definition, but simply, you know, oversimplification, it means divided names. Denominations, I think, is telling the world, I think you think this too when I say it, it's telling the world out there that's not in here right now, you guys can't get along with yourselves. Why do I need what you have? And yet you're telling me this is what I need. Right? Because we're not one. We're not united. We're not how we're supposed to be. And a lot of it has to do with uh, what I'm talking about with you today. And so the, the values of America are coming into the values of the church. And the values that we see in America, the number one value in America is autonomy. Yeah, it's all about me. It means autonomy, simply put, is I can do whatever I want, when I want, how I want. Autonomy. And that is not a biblical Christian value. And if you call yourself a Christian, you have to, um, you have to relinquish, you have to uh, eradicate the notion of it's, it's all about me. Right. No, it's not. It's all about we. Yeah. It's, not just a, it's not me, myself, and I. It's not all, all, all by myself. I want to be. No, it's not that in the kingdom of God. Amen? It's not it's my body and I can do what I want to. That's not the kingdom. Only, in fact, years ago, only a king could live autonomously. It's quiet in this Catholic church again. <laughs> Only a king or a queen could call the shots like that. Now we have five-year-old kids who can live autonomously. Johnny, what do you want to do? Where do you want to eat? Do you want to go to school today? No, you don't want to school today. Do you don't want to. You want to hit him and hurt her? Go ahead. I'm going to get off this truck. People are getting upset with me. But it's, it's a crazy world, yes or no. It's crazy, right? And so here's a key principle that you have to understand is that true Christians understand they are not autonomous. In contrast, really what a true Christian is is a person who knows they've been invited into something bigger. Poke your neighbor. Wake him up. Say, this is good. This is for you. This is for me, okay? A true Christian understands they've been invited into something bigger. That's our big idea. Is, is that, that Christians have been invited to be a part of something bigger. And when you come to this understanding, this revelation, yeah. you also know that with that, you find peace, 
and satisfaction and significance. Do you know the greatest needs of humanity are really intimacy uh, uh, and significance are big, big parts of our, of our great security. Those are the big three. Security, intimacy, and significance. Now, this being a part of something bigger is where really all those can be met. Inside the body, the body of Christ. So Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians 12. That was my intro. Praise the Lord. So 1 Corinthians 12, here's what's happening contextually. Paul is painting a picture, and he gives this creative illustration Using the physical body, this physical body, to describe the body of Christ. Is everybody with me? Are you all tracking with me right now? Okay. It's a word picture. And it's actually got some comical stuff inside of it. I'm going to start at the end, verse 27 of chapter 12, and work backwards because you might not stay for the whole message because you don't like me. Okay. So here's what it says. Are you with me, everybody? All right. Verse 27 says, now you, it says, are the body of Christ. You, not you, you is what he's saying, are the body of Christ. You group are the body? Yeah, yeah, that's what he's talking about. Body like what? Like you are Jesus with skin on to the earth. You are the physical, you, we, are the physical representation of Jesus on the earth. Right, when you get married, right, you say, you, you say you be, you're becoming one, right? In the kingdom of God, when you get married, one plus one equals one in marriage. Jesus sees it that way. Jesus is the groom. We are the bride. We are one. Since he's there and we're here, we are him here. I'm, I'm not here right now. My wife is running the show in, in Ashland, Massachusetts right now at one of our locations. And when I walked out the door this morning, I said, baby, you're in charge. You're me there. Are you with me, everybody? That's how God looks at it. He uses the familial to describe and to help us understand what happens in the kingdom of God as well. And then he says in the second half of that verse, and each one of you, everybody say, I'm an each. I'm an each. Don't say that too fast. It could change. I'm an each, and each one of you is a part of it. Of what? What's it? The body of Christ. In fact, in Ephesians 4.16, it says, and you are an essential and necessary part of it. What is it? The body of Christ, the church. You are all in each. Okay? So he explains that there's a relationship between the individual and the whole. Collectively, we are the body of Christ. So let me, let me try to be deductive with you. Let me, let me skip ahead. The, the, the way that you get close to Jesus is by not being all by yourself. Or it's like my friend says in Louisiana, down by the bayou, all by yourself. <laughs> no, it's being a part of the body of Christ. How many want to get closer to Jesus Christ? Okay, then you have to be part of the body of Christ. Are you with me? This is, I hope you guys are getting a revelation and not just getting reasoning. Because here's what happens is we, we subconsciously or consciously say and practice things like, you know, I accept, I accepted the Lord. I received him as an individual. I said the sinner's prayer. I pray daily. I read my Bible. Uh, I am a Christian. You know, I believe these things. I believe those things. I go to, I go to meetings sometimes. Nobody's there. It's just me, myself, and I. 
I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 right? Like, that's part of it, but that's not all of it, everybody. Paul's saying that's not enough. And so whether you realize this or not, in the moment you made the faith reception to receive what Jesus Christ did for you, 1 Timothy 2, 5, there's one mediator between God and man, the man, boom, Christ Jesus, right in the middle. So he built a bridge between, between you and your sinful state and God the Father in his perfect state. Jesus made a way for you to be in relationship with him forever. For the people that accepted that by grace through faith, in that moment, you got this. Amen. You did 100%. Don't, don't, don't ever forget it. But you also became a part of this. And that gets lost. People have forgotten that you were not only invited to eternity with him, but you also were invited to be a part of something big with him on earth. And that's how you find unity. You're part of something bigger. And you're united because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? It makes you brothers and sisters. So if you've received Jesus Christ, you're sitting, whether you know them, their birthday, their kids' names, their favorite desserts, what show they watched on Netflix last night, it doesn't matter. You're family. Turn to your, turn your neighbor and say, we're family, we're family, we're family, we're family, all right? So you're united by the blood of Jesus. That's why I like to say things like about my past. We, as Christians, we always say it's under the blood. You ever say something like that, past? We say it's under the blood, right? Instead of under the bridge. Right? Because under the bridge, you know what happens with things that are under the bridge? You ever heard this phrase, dead bodies flow down river? Because it comes up again. This is what's wonderful about being a Christian. Because things are under the blood, it doesn't have to come up again. Jesus remembers your sins no more. They are put in the sea of forgetfulness. They are separated from you as far as the east is from the west. It's under the blood. It's not under the bridge. Amen. And that's what unites you. So now we're not looking through the lens of our past. We're not living in the rearview mirror. We're looking ahead. And so you should look at your brothers and sisters the same way. We don't define people by their past, but by their potential. Amen? So we're all one. Oh, I'm getting fired up right now. The second service is way better than the first service. Come on, somebody. So if you really caught this, whether you're two weeks a Christian, 20 years a Christian, we should be powerful because we're united. United things are powerful, right? Jesus was powerful, right? He was influential. He was impactful. We all know that. But a lot of times the church isn't. The church is weak and it's emaciated and it's, it's deficiencies and, and you can see there's holes and, and people are, why? Because they're not united. Unity is, is the highest. You know how much faster you move when you're united as a church? Refuge, I speak this over you in Jesus' name. See, there's different levels of speed in the kingdom of God. There's the speed of agreement, there's the speed of vision, and there's the speed of unity. And, 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 and it talks about that unless they walk together in, in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, how will they agree, right? Unless they agree, how will they walk together? So there's walking, you know? Hey, we're getting somewhere, praise the Lord, but we're just walking. We are living in a day where walking is not fast enough to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish in this region, are you with me? And then the Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2 that they, you need to write the vision down so that they can run. Okay? That's, that's good. Running is great. I appreciate that. It's awesome. But there's another level, and it's the speed of unity. And if you look in Genesis chapter 11 where it talks about the Tower of Babel, the Bible says because they were one language, there was nothing that was impossible for them. 
And in, in Acts chapter 2, we see the speed of unity where all of them were in one accord. And they were in an upper room and they were seeking God. And then later in Acts chapter 4, they were just sharing everything they had. And they had everything in common. And in one day, 3,000 were saved. And another day, 5,000 were saved. Why? Because they had unity. God wants you to move at a faster rate. But for that to happen, we have to be unified. Amen? So a lot of our potential is proportionate to our acceptance of this principle that you were invited to be a part of something bigger than you. I went on a mission trip years ago. And by the way, I want to just commend the Refuge Church for partnering with us, Connect Caribbean Mission in the Dominican Republic. I don't know if you guys realize that you do that, but you've had a significant impact in the Dominican. We're growing at a very fast rate. In four years, we're 10x from where we were four years ago. And uh, there's another partner, a couple that I just met, whose pastor is a partner with us also in the Dominican Republic. But I digress. Thank you. And then go back to my, yeah, give yourselves a big hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sponsoring children. Many of you invited another child into your family to be a part of your family. I promise you, as a firsthand person who goes there many times in the course of the year, you're changing children's lives in the DR. But the first mission trip I ever had in the DR, before we started everything, uh, foolishly, we took a youth group down there. Next sentence. 44 of them. And I think we had like four or five adults with us managing 44 kids. How many know not wisdom? You know what I mean? Like that we didn't think things through really well, okay? And so anyway, I can tell you stories for days about how crazy that was. But I remember getting to this one community, and it was the, it was the community of Boca Nueva, and it was behind all these sugarcane fields, and we had these big buses, and we were going into a community that really hadn't, didn't have a lot. Like, they intermittently had power. They basically had running water and intermittent power, you know, just tin roofs and just impoverished, highly impoverished area. And we were going to go try to connect with them, and, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give I thee in the name of Jesus. We were going to give them Jesus. And I didn't know how we were going to do that. And I'm the leader. So everybody's looking at me like, what are we going to do when we get there? I'm like, oh, the Lord will show us. You know what I mean? <laughs> Be not afraid. And I'm like, good, 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 good. you know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, Lord, Lord, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. And as we're getting closer, this light from the sky shone down on a basketball court. I was like, that's it. And I was a baller back then. I'm retired now. Put my shoes up. My feet are planted on a firm foundation. <sighs> And I can't dribble worth a lick anymore. But back then, I could ball. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, that's it. We had a couple basketballs in the car. A couple of the D D Dominican boys were playing outside. I'm like, let's go. You know, we've got khakis on, long, long pants khakis because shorts were of the devil back then. Got moccasins on, Oxford shirts, you know, no T-shirts. It just, we were sweaty mess. Well, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. I grab a couple guys. Let's go play ball with these kids. So we get off. They're like, oh, my God. You can hear them talking. The gringos, the gringos. Baloncesto. Vamos a You know, and, and all, before you know it, all these kids come to watch the gringos play the DR kids. We tooled them. <laughs> we absolutely dominated them. No mercy. Absolutely none. I'm like, Lord, I am not sanctified in that area yet. I'm going to destroy these kids. But anyway, God used it. Praise the Lord. All these kids are lined up. While that's happening, I want you to see something. We were together. We were united spiritually, and then we became united practically. Everybody's gifts. When you say yes to God, in spite of what's required, your gifts will automatically go into operation. 
it's, you'll begin to see things that you couldn't see because you said yes to what God could see through you. So these people started getting off the, I, I started playing basketball. Just dunking on people. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and then other people getting off, and they're like, girls started going, guys started going to the crowd, playing games with the kids, hand games, and high, all these knick-knack paddywhack. I don't know what they are. <laughs> Cracking the crowd. And then other people are going around, like, you know, handing food snacks that they have, talking to them, sharing their testimonies, using this little bit of Spanish that we practice. Everybody's laughing, having a good time. Just... And all these kids are just loving it. And then another group's using their gifts, and they're setting up sound systems, and they're getting a little mini stage ready because we're going to do a skit, and we're going to do a dance, and then somebody else is going to preach. And then before you know it, they're all captive audience. We've got a couple of us preach, give our testimonies. All these kids get saved. And then two by two, literally like out of the book of Acts, we go into the communities and they invite us into all their homes, praying for their sick loved ones and their sick family members. And we're sharing Jesus with them, laying hands on them so they might be saved. And we did that together and we did it united as one and everybody was doing their part. Are you guys with me? And what happened before this missions trip is people said things when we were trying to get them to go like, I don't want to go that far away. I, I, I don't think I can raise that much money. It's just too much money. I can't spend that much money on that. I, I got other things I got to do. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do that. I have nothing to offer. I don't know the language. I, 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 I. Afterwards, the people who pushed past that, who said yes in spite of what was required, who didn't live for I. And by the way, there's no I in team. They said we. We did this and we did that. It was amazing. We saw God work in powerful ways. We saw people get saved. I led my first person to Jesus. I prayed for my first person to be healed. I've used my gift. I shared my testimony with somebody to know the Lord for the first time. We had so much fun. My best friends were on that mission trip. I never grew so much. I never felt the power of God so much. I never knew what my purpose was until I went on that mission trip. We, we, we saw that. These same people can't wait to go again because they found and they experienced the power of unity. That encapsulates what God wants to do in the refuge church, in this service, and in the other service all the time. Are you with me, everybody? Because you're supposed to be the presence of Christ on the earth. The Bible says in Matthew 18, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Does that mean if you're by yourself, he's not there? No, but it's different. It's different when we, or when two or more are gathered. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, love the midst. He likes the midst. It's, it's just different. Why? Because there's people there. My grandson, Zion, he's about three and a half, almost four years old. He is an absolute socialite. He's going to be a fourth-generation preacher in the name of Jesus. I'm second generation. My son's third full-time running our campus, and he's our number two communicator in our church. And my son grants, I see it all over him. As soon as I grab a mic, if, when the service is over, he goes on the stage, and the first thing he wants to grab is a microphone. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. You say, hey, you want to come up here and greet the people? Yeah, just step right up. He can't, not shy, not at all, okay? So, but when he was really young, two years old, he would hold my hand, and we'd be walking, and we'd just, let's go take a walk, you and me and Poppy. You know, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm big Poppy, by the way. So uh, you get to name yourself when you're a grandfather. You know what I mean? You name your kids, but then when you're a grandparent, you name yourself. So I named myself Big Poppy. So I was afraid he was going to grow up and call me Little Pee-Pee. But anyway, that's another story. I just had to crack the crowd here. <laughs> Delete that one right there. My wife would be so mad at me. They call you whatever they want, right? They call you whatever they want. <laughs> 
Okay, so I won't be back for three more years. So I'm holding, I'm holding his hand, and he's holding my hand. He looks up at me, and he goes, he goes, Poppy, he goes, people, people. What he's saying is, you're good, but it'd be way better if there were more people here. Like, I like you, but I like, I like being with people. God is just like my son, Zion. He is all about the midst. He wants to be in the midst of people. That's what he's about. And here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Don't you mean the church, Paul? No, I mean Christ because they're the same thing. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body. So Paul is basically saying in the word here, when you got saved, you instantly got this, but whether we know each other, we were part of something together. I mentioned that already. Then he says in verse 13b, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. So he's, he's really addressing a bunch of stuff here. He's saying Jews, Greeks, that was a big deal. They're like, what? Wait, what did he just say? Jews and Greeks were joined? What? They're leaning in now. They're like, wait a second. He's like, You're, you have different values in the kingdom. In the kingdom, there's no racial prejudice. In the kingdom, there's no divisions. There's no ranks. In the, kids, in the kingdom of God, you're important, you're important, you're important, you're important, all equally important and of value to him. Are you with me, everybody? That's why I brought Mr. Potato Head. All right. Well, I know. We, they, they, they didn't sell Mrs. Potato Head, but stay with me. So... Here's where Paul gets a little humorous. In verse 14, he says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, not just an ear, you know, eyes, mouth, but many. Then he says, Now if the foot should say... Now this is when I think they laughed out loud. They're like, did he just say a foot was talking? That would be like this foot. And I just, hey, we got anything you want to say? You know, the foot is going to start talking here. So there's this conversation going on where the foot's like, you know what? I am sick and tired of being a foot. You know, I've been overlooked for so long. Nobody pays attention. When's the last time I got a foot massage? You know what I mean? Nobody takes care of the calluses on my heel. You know, I know I'm a little bit stinky and ugly, but you know what? I, I got a few things that I want to say. And he says, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It, and then Paul says, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. So just because the foot is not a hand, the foot can't say, I'm no longer part of the body. And if I had the time and I didn't have a handheld mic, I would detach this and i put this foot over here. Okay? Paul's like, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with it. The foot, the, the foot could say, the hands are so much better, though. The hands have, like, little digits, and the hands can point things out. And I've always wanted to point things out. And I don't have a finger that can clean my ears, and I, I don't have fingers that can play piano, and they're so delicate, and they're so nice, and unless you got those mitts like a glove like some guys have. But maybe the foot's complaining to the hand. It seems like that's what's going on here. And because I'm not the hand, I quit. I'm out. Peace. Right? Peace out. No, Paul's like, no, you're just different. You're not a hand, you're a foot. You're just different, but you can't just bail out. You're, you're a part of this. And just because you don't know your function doesn't mean you're not a part of the body. Right. Oh, this is a big, this is one of those heavy revies that you need to catch. See, some of you don't know your function in the body of Christ. 87% of Christians do not know their spiritual gifts. 
And that's why sometimes we're not fulfilling our purpose. But just because you don't know your role does not mean you're not supposed to be a part of the body. You said yes to Jesus. And when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to this. Amen. Are you with me, everybody? So if the ear should say, well, I'm not an eye. I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason. He's like, he's just going to keep hammering this. Hey, Paul, we get the point. We get the point. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye. Now he's like, what if everything was an eye? Since you want to be an eye, what if the whole body was an eye? Where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear? Those are some really big ears. Uh, Where would the sense of smell be? What if you were just an eye? Where, Where would the hearing be? What did you say? Exactly. See, we'd be, we'd be incomplete. A lot of people want to be, want to be Pastor Adam, want to be the mouthpiece. I just, I want to say, I want to talk. I, I can't. I want to be able to teach, and I want to be able to tell. But sometimes, if the if the whole body were a mouthpiece, which, by the way, a lot of churches are basically a bunch of cloned parts. Because people have not accepted, first of all, their role, irrespective of their knowledge of their function, and they've all decided they want to be something that they're not, instead of seeing the significance in what God made them uh, to be. And so the state of the church sometimes is, is, that, is that we're trying to be somebody else's part. It takes every part in order for one part to find and feel their part. So they don't come apart. Don't make me say that again because I don't think I can do it a second time, okay? (laughs) But Paul is basically saying the mouth won't be able to say anything unless the feet take them there. The finger can't, can't do what it's supposed to do if the eyes don't point the way. The eyes can't find, you know, can't, can't open the door without the hand. Are you with me? They're all inextricably linked one to another. If the eye says, I don't need you, hand, the hand's saying, good luck finding your keys. You know, vice versa. So the next verse is super hard to believe. Verse 18 says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Pastor, what does that mean? I don't know. All I know is he strategically and sovereignly determined it. And it's, it's your job in the journey to figure out why. It's kind of like a treasure hunt. The joy of the journey is like, why did he give me the part that he gave me? If I'm not a mouth and I'm an ear, I hear things. I see things. Like when you come in a room, a lot of times I'll try to get people's vision. I'll say, when you walk in the room, what do you see? I see that person over there all by themselves and they seem sad. Oh, interesting. You might have a mercy gift. Or I see that person over there and they're, you know, they, they, they don't know what they're doing. Oh. So you might be kind of a leader or you kind of got a, an administrative gift or, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of times God's designed that and that's what he wants you to figure out because it has significance. And that's part of the journey of what God has wanted to take you on. But trust me, you're important. Your part in the refuge church, to make it specific, is incredibly important. And your part working with other people's part in tandem is where we start to become powerful. As a church of Jesus Christ. Now, what will happen is, as we figure out all our parts and how they work together, this is what you won't say. You won't say, I don't feel God. You won't say, I'm not growing. And you will never say, I don't know my purpose. You will, this hand detached from the body, from Mr. Potato Head, could say all those things. For example, if I, was to, if I was to greet 
Adam and I shook his hand with my hand, it would be a very different experience than if I had a hand in a jar of formaldehyde from a deceased person. It's disgusting, right? And if that hand could talk, you're saying, what? You're going to have a hand talk. Well, Paul did it, so I can do it, right? Why can't I use this illustration, okay? But if I pulled that hand out to go to shake Adam's hand, he would be like, that's disgusting. Like, no, like, it's creepy. It's weird. It's disgusting. And if that hand was to talk to Adam and say, I just don't feel connected. I don't feel the, the warmth and, the, and the, I don't feel like I know what I'm supposed to. I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Adam would say, well, that's obvious. You're a hand that is completely disconnected from the body. Isn't it amazing how many people are struggling in those three areas and they don't see the direct association between their part and everybody else's part? Can I have a hand clap for God and the revelation that he has given us about the purposes of God in our life? Amen? So let me finish with this. Verse 27 says, now you, everybody say, that's me. Everybody say, that's all of us, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you as we conclude. I want to ask you to think about three different things as we kind of wrap this up, because this is what I think. You can keep your eyes open at this moment, but today, I think there are people who are not here because they don't believe this revelation. That you weren't just invited to be in relationship with Jesus. You were invited to be a part of something bigger than yourself. They're not here because they don't believe that. Number one. Number two, I think there are people who are here who maybe don't believe this as well. In other words, you may say, well, I believe it, Pastor Derek. And I'm, and I'm not talking about, like, believe in your head. I'm talking about transferring trust to this revelation such that you do something about it. That's what it means to believe. The demons believe in Jesus, but they don't put their trust, hope, and faith in him. Okay? So there are some people who are in this room that don't believe it. And this is what I want to say to you kindly, because I don't have to, I don't have to come back here next week and Adam can fix everything. You might not be here in the future because of that. Because you, if you are not apart, you will come apart. Third, if you do believe this, if you do see this as significant, what is your next step? And I would just say to you, obviously, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then secondly, would you make space in your heart and would you make space in your schedule? Anything that's important to you, you resource. You give it time. You give it talent. You give it treasure. Would you make space to be a part of something like this, bigger than you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice that heard this message, that you would, you would challenge them to change. We don't come to church to have our ears tickled and to just receive information. We're here for growth. We're here for change. We're here for transformation. I pray for every person that the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, work on our hearts so we no longer sit on our blessed assurance. We no longer sit in the pew, Lord. We become a part of the building material of the house of God. And Lord, secondly, for the people that might be here, we can't find our purpose in God until we find relationship in God. 
Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to, I want to extend the most important invitation of all, that you make that vertical connection between you and God. Jesus made a way for you to be in relationship with him. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. You just have to receive it by grace through faith. And right there where you stand, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to say yes in your heart. And then in just a minute, we're going to pray together. All of us will join you in this prayer. But I want you to say yes in your heart. And then I want you to pray this prayer out loud. And brothers and sisters, those of you who have prayed this prayer before, would you join them? If that's you, right now, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus. Come on, join them. Say, Jesus, I receive what you did for me. I desperately want and need to be in relationship with you. I don't want to be distant from you. I want to be near to you. I thank you for what you did for me on Calvary 2,000 years ago, paying for my sin, past, present, and future. I receive by grace through faith salvation right now. Now, Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, seal it until the day of redemption, the Bible says. I pray that you would let them know in their inner man that they're okay with God vertically. And, Lord, help them on their next step. In a moment, their heart has changed, but now... Lord, I pray they enroll in the journey. And as a church, we will be with them, alongside them, to enjoy life with them in Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen. amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap all around the room. God bless you.